Yo, today's uh, Purvis Point podcast is uh, a very emotional one for me. I even grappled with the thought of even doing it, but I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my soul that it needs to be discussed. And it's a subject that's been talked about for the last few weeks when it comes to social injustice against people of color, especially black people. And um, I've seen videos, I've seen the protests. I've heard people in agreement that Black Lives Matter and how that needs to be addressed. But I've also seen and heard the opposite side as well. And I believe that a lot of ignorance comes from a lack of exposure, comes from a lack of understanding, but also comes from a lack of perspective. So today's Purvis Point is really a conversation starter, but more so an outpour from my heart to the ears of anyone, black, white, brown, doesn't matter, anyone that does not understand the plight of the black person. or That's why today's Perry's point is entitled, uh, What If Emmett Till Was White? So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to uncover some things and hopefully start a conversation and change that perspective here on Perry's point. So here we go. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Pervy here on Pervy's Point. Uh, super excited that you have decided to subscribe, to listen uh, to your boy on the podcast. Um, been delaying another episode for a couple of weeks just due to everything that's going on. And you have to be living under a rock to not know what's happening in the country right now. And uh, I was just, if you follow me on social media, I posted some things about it. I've been very vocal about my opinions and I've been blessed to have a platform to where I can go more in depth on how I feel or where my emotions are. And um, I've been blessed to have people who not only support me, but people who listen to uh, what I say and take it for information and take it for conversation starters. Uh, so I just want to, say thank you to everybody that subscribed uh we're we're tapping on almost uh, a thousand subscribers uh and we're and we're getting close to over 2500 listens across all of our episodes and so i'm very grateful for that very grateful for the opportunity that even if i know you or not there are some people all over this country uh that are listening to Purvis point due to you that believe in it are sharing it and, and letting people hear about it so i, I really appreciate that uh, so today's episode, like I said in the intro, is is what if Emmett Till was white? Here's what I realized um, that a lot of people don't even know what the story of Emmett Till is uh, or, or, or where I'm coming from with that. And I just want to open by saying that um, my, my thought process today is hopefully to change perspectives. 
I honestly believe that a lot of people don't understand the aggression of black people because they've never even taken time to see or realize the oppression of black people. And so you will never understand the aggression of black people until you understand the oppression of black people. And that oppression comes from you taking a deep and honest look at the history of what African-Americans have been through in these United States and, and why, uh, or, or I'll say, like Dr. Freddie Haynes says, these yet to be United States, uh, because you, you have to understand that there are hundreds of years of despicable, unspoken, unheard of hatred and evil that has happened in our in our country towards people of color, specifically uh, black people. And so today, I just want to give you a different perspective. And I'm not going to just say this podcast episode is for white people because it's not. This podcast episode is for anybody who does not take seriously the plight of black people in America and what it means to be black in America and why black people are just tired and why there's been an uproar and why the death of George Floyd has sparked a different type of outrage. Cause I believe pe people are tired. And if you don't understand why people are tired of being mistreated, you are part of the problem. And so th this podcast is geared towards just giving you a understanding on what, how white people would feel if what was done to black people was done to them. Because I honestly believe that a lot of white people in are so disconnected from the history, the hurt and the harm that's been done to black people. They don't even realize what they've been through. It's, it, it 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 really disgusts me when I hear people get on TV, get on their other platforms, and they try to downplay racism to the point of saying, hey, racism will go away if we didn't talk about it. Or racism will go away if we just if we if we if we just got over it. No, no, you you can't get over it, right? Like there's just a different perspective that black people have when it comes to living and being black in the United States. And so th there's a, um, there's a clip. Um, one of my favorite shows is blackish. Um, uh, I think it's the, I think it's the best show since the Cosby show, <laughs> Cosby show, uh, my wife and kids and blackish, like my three favorite, um, shows when it comes to showing black families. Yeah. Of course you have somebody, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, uh, you have other 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 shows, Family Matters. You have other shows that have come on, uh, Smart Guy. You have uh, other shows that have had black families and black fathers that are prevalent. But Cosby Show, my wife and kids, and especially Blackish, have really uh, just really touched my heart. And Blackish has an episode to where they speak on um, racism and and how black people and black children and and black fathers see society. And so there's a small clip. Uh, from that show 
that I want you to hear real quick uh, that'll really give you an understanding on how black people feel when it comes to our place in society and even when we feel like we're getting an upper hand it we're still scared to death and scared for our life so um listen to this clip real quick and we'll be right back on purpose point let's say they listen to the cops and get in the car look what happened to freddie grant yeah and what if they make it all the way to the station mm-hmm. you remember sandra bland and let's say they do make it to trial mm-hmm. you see where that gets us don't you get it Bo? the system is rigged against us maybe it is dre but i don't want to feel like my kids are living in a world that is so flawed that they can't have any hope oh so you want to talk about hope Bo? obama ran on hope remember when he got elected and, and, and we felt like maybe just maybe we got out of that bad place and made it to a good place that that the whole country was really ready to turn the corner you remember that amazing feeling we had during the inauguration i was sitting right next to you and we were so proud and we saw him get out of that limo and walk alongside of it and wave to that crowd tell me you weren't terrified when you saw that tell me you weren't worried that someone was going to snatch that hope away from us like they always do that is the real world, Bo. And our children need to know that that's the world that they live in. So, very, very powerful, right? Very powerful clip on how even when we feel like we have hope we feel like it's going to be snatched away and and, and here's the reality here's the reality that when you look at how black people have been treated in america um you can't help but to understand why they will feel this way right and and so i i want to give you i want to give you a little history i mean i want to give you some facts and and i'll before i just want to lay the foundation for the conversation Okay, um, he, he, here here is the the short, very very short journey of the black person when it comes to slavery until current day. So records show that as early as, I want to say around the 1500s, the first slave was brought to what is now the United States of America, and slavery literally lasted. 1501 1500 to about 1865 slavery was abolished by abraham lincoln in 1860 1864 1865 um 1864 slavery is abolished but all states haven't released their slaves so slavery is still going on in several states in the united states slavery is abolished in 1864 1865 Jim Crow is introduced. J- Jim, Jim Crow uh, is born in 1865. From 1865 to 1968, you have Jim Crow in America. But we'll come back to this. The Civil Rights Act, 1964, when President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, 
illegally ended the segregation that had been institutionalized by Jim Crow laws. So you heard me. Slavery was abolished in 1864. It wasn't until 1964 that the Civil Rights Act was uh, brought in and legally ending the segregation that had been institutionalized by Jim Crow. So from from the end of slavery to the Civil Rights Act, 100 years after slavery, where black people were oppressed intentionally in the United States. And I'll get to what this looked like in a minute. So 1964, the Civil Rights Act, in 1965, the Voting Rights Act that it halted efforts to keep minorities from voting. And then in, ni- in 1968, you had the Fair Housing Act, which ended discrimination in renting and selling homes, right? So all of this happened. So, so between the 1500s and 1968, there was, there was intentional, right? So, so we, we, we can just... We don't even have to uncover and unpack everything that's happened from 1968 to 2020. Like, so we, 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 we don't have to get into the crack epidemic of the 80s and, and the destroying of neighborhoods and the destroying of and systematic oppression and systematic injustice that has been happening for years. We haven't even talked about police brutality. We haven't even talked about systematic injustice we haven't even talked about how black people are treated unfairly when it comes to education when it comes to health care when it comes to law enforcement we haven't even talked about that we're we're talking about from the very inception even before the united states was formed and even after how slave black slaves were brought to this country that this country was built off the blacks built off the backs of, of black people, right? Like studies show there was somewhere between 15 to 20 million slaves that were brought over during slavery that, that, that while black people were being depleted from their country and uh, from, from the continent of Africa, they were building the country of the United States o- only to be treated, only, only, only to be treated less than human. Right. And, and so and so I, I really want you to listen to this. I, I, I really want you to listen to 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 what what happened in 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 these United States. I, I'm, I'm not talking about what happened in other countries. I'm not talking about what what was supposedly happened. Now, I'm, I'm talking about what happened in the United States to black people. And, and this will give you a perspective. Right. That black codes, the Jim Crow. That in around 1865, immediately following the ratification of the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery, listen, there were black codes which restrict local and state laws that detailed when, where, and how formerly enslaved people could work and for how much compensation. There were laws put in place on the local and state level on how formerly supposedly free people could work and for how much that the legal system was literally stacked against black citizens with former Confederate soldiers working as police and judges, making it difficult for black people to win court cases and ensuring they were subject to black codes. 
So not only that, these black codes worked in conjunction with labor camps for the incarcerated, where prisoners were treated as enslaved people. That black offenders typically received longer sentences than, than their white equals, and because of the grueling work, they often did not even live out their entire sentence. That they weren't being killed in the streets, they were being killed in prison. They, 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 these were laws. These were laws put in place. Because um, at, the, at the beginning of the 1880s, like like big cities in the South were were were, were holding on to Jim Crow laws and, and it led to substantial black populations moving to the cities and as the and as time went on, white people demanded that more laws limited black people in the city. Right? So so Jim Crow laws like they soon spread across the country with more force than previously when black people moved into cities and urban areas. So that's when you saw segregated waiting rooms and, and you saw train stations and water fountains and restrooms and building entrances and elevators and cemeteries that were all, you know, either white or black. That law, there were laws that forbade African-Americans and black people from living in white neighborhoods that segregation was enforced for public pools, phone booths, hospitals, asylums, jails, residential homes for the elderly and handicapped. That, 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 that it was intentional. Y'all, that some states even required separate textbooks for black and white students. That, that in Louisiana, New Orleans mandated that the segregation of prostitutes according to race. That even prostitutes were segregated. In Atlanta, black people in court were given a different Bible from white people to swear on. That marriage and cohabitation between white and black people were strictly forbidden in most southern states. And it wasn't uncommon to see signs posted at town and city limits warning black people that they were not welcome in the city. That they were not welcome. Are you hearing me? Following World War One, the NAACP noted that lynchings have become so prevalent in, in the South that 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 lynchings increased, and, and and so did race riots. With with at least twenty five race right race riots across the United States over several months in nineteen nineteen. If you're familiar with that period, sometimes called the Red Summer. In retaliation, white authorities charged black communities with conspiring to conquer white America. So they went around burning down towns and killing black people. Jim, Jim Crow, in Jim, Jim Crow for, uh, for almost 100 years had laws in America that said black people weren't equal to white people. That a black man couldn't shake a white man's hand because it looked like it, it said they were equal. That a, a black man or a black woman couldn't be introduced by their name, by Mr. or Mrs., they had to be introduced as girl or boy and had to address a white man as man as, as sir and had to address a white woman as ma'am. And, and, and the North wasn't exempt. The North, the North, wasn't, the North wasn't immune to Jim Crow like laws either to, to, to where Southern Jim Crow laws were aggressive 
that the Northern Jim Crow laws were microaggressive. Could be like some states required that black people had to own property before they could vote. Schools and neighborhoods are segregated and businesses display white only signs as well. So there was nowhere in America where the black person could go and be looked at as being equal. Are you hearing me? I, I, I hope I'm grabbing your attention. I, I, I hope you hear me because I'm about to go deeper. I'm about to go deeper. Because here's what I want you to see. I, I gave you a snippet of, of that. Like, I don't even have time to jump into what happened during slavery. I don't even think I have the emotions to go there. I just want you to, most people are aware of that slavery happened in America. So they're aware of that. But, but I'm trying to help you understand that even after slavery, because see, that, that's a conversation that people have, that black people have to just uh, strap, up the, uh, get, strap up the laces on their, on, on their boots and, and put their feet on the ground and go to work and do what they need to do. That They have opportunity to thrive here in America like everybody else. They have an opportunity to, to succeed. I, I want you to see how that opportunity was snatched away, that there were laws put in place to where black people in America for almost a hundred years, weren't even looked at as people. That even after they were so-called free, there were still laws put in place where they couldn't be seen as people. So, 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 so I, 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 I want to read something to you real quick. I want to make sure I get it. I have facts on this information, but I want to make sure I get it right. I want you to hear it. A young man named Emmett Till. Emmett Till was born and raised in Chicago and during the summer, during summer vacation in August 1955. He was visiting relatives near Money, Mississippi, in the Mississippi Delta region. He spoke to 21-year-old Carolyn Bryant, the white married proprietor of a small grocery store. And although what happened to the store is a matter of dispute, Till was accused of flirting with or whistling at Bryant. In 1955, Bryant had testified that Till made physical and verbal advances. The jury did not hear Bryant's testimony due to the judge ruling it inadmissible. Decades later, Bryant disclosed that she had fabricated the part of the testimony regarding her interaction with Till, spe uh, specifically the portion where she accused Till of grabbing her waist and uttering obscenities. In a, in, in a court hearing stated in 2008, she said that part's not true actually admitting that she made up a portion or all of the interaction between her and Emmett Till in 1955 or 1954. Till's interaction with Bryant perhaps unwittingly violated the structures of conduct for an African-American male interacting with a white woman in the Jim Crow era South. Several nights after the incident in the store, Bryant's husband, Roy, and half-brother, J.W. Millam, were armed when they went to Till's great-uncle's house and abducted him. They took him away and beat and mutilated him before shooting him in the head and sinking his body in the Tallahatchie River. Three days later, Till's body was discovered and retrieved from the river. They abducted him, took him away, beat him, mutilated him, before shooting him in the head. All four supposedly 
talking to, flirting with a white woman who later said it wasn't true. Till's body was returned to Chicago where his mother insisted on a public funeral service with an open casket. The open coffin funeral held by Mammy Till Bradley exposed the world to more than her son Emmett Till's bloated, mutilated body. Her decision forced attention not only on U.S. racism and the barbarism of lynching, but also the limitations and vulnerabilities of American democracy. Tens of thousands of people attended his funeral, viewed his open casket, and images of his mutilated body were published in the black-oriented magazines and newspapers, rallying popular black support and white sympathy across the U.S. intense scrutiny. Across the U.S. The U.S. Intense scrutiny was brought to bear on the lack of black civil rights in Mississippi, with newspapers around the U.S. critical of state. Although local newspapers and law enforcement officials initially decried the violence against Till and called for justice, they responded to national criticism by defending Mississippians, temporarily giving support to the killers. Here's where, here's where I want you to hear, adding insult to injury. In September 1955, an all-white jury found Brian and Millam not guilty of Till's kidnapping and murder. Protected against double jeopardy, the two men publicly admitted in 1956 interview with Look Magazine that they had killed Till. Till's murder was seen as a catalyst for the next phase of the civil rights movement in December 1955. That's when, y'all, that's when you know about the Montgomery bus boycott that began in Alabama, and it lasted more than a year. And it went on to spark other uh, boycotts in the South. I'm I'm trying to gather myself because hope I, I read it because if if I started talking about it I may have began to cry and I got through my thoughts. But I want you to hear what I just read. That Emmett Till from Chicago visited his family in Mississippi has an interaction with a white woman. White woman lies about the interaction. White woman's husband and brother-in-law abduct him. They, they mutilate him to the point where he can't even be recognized. And they shoot him in the head. And they tie his body to a cement block and throw him in the river. Can you imagine... Can you imagine? His body being sent back to his mother in Chicago. The mother can't even recognize that that's her son. But she wants the world to see what happens when hatred isn't addressed. And to add insult to injury, an all-white jury with facts says these two white men are not guilty and to add more injury to that because they were covered by double jeopardy of the law these two men admit to killing Emmett Till my question is what if Emmett Till was white What if Emmett Till was white?
there, there, there would have been rage. There would have been riots, killings. But even deeper than that, I wanted to read that story because Emmett Till's story, as gruesome and ugly and nasty, hurtful that it is, it's what black people feel all the time. That even when we're done wrong, we still can't get justice. I, I, I think that George Floyd is the Emmett Till of our today. That if you didn't know the story of Emmett Till, you'd know the story of George Floyd. And I think what has rocked America to its core or what should rock America to its core is that for eight minutes and 36 seconds, you saw a black man who didn't resist arrest, who was on the ground, one cop with a knee in his leg, the other one with a knee in his thigh, the other one with a knee in his ribs, and one cop with a knee on his neck for eight minutes and 36 seconds. And America watched this man die. We watched him die. From, from Trayvon Martin all the way to George Floyd, um, there have been horrific incidents that were left up to subjectiveness where people said, well, maybe there's more to the story or maybe the video doesn't show everything and maybe we're jumping to conclusions and white, white America said black people are doing too much and, 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 and maybe they were thugs and they had past history of drug abuse and, and violence and so they, they, they brought it on themselves and there was all type of subjectiveness brought to it. But this story, this incident, let you know that we weren't crazy, that we weren't just talking to be talking, that Colin Kaepernick wasn't just kneeling to be kneeling, that there was an issue with police brutality and systematic injustice and oppression in America against black people. And you saw it firsthand with George Floyd because you saw him die. What if George Floyd was white? And here's the reality. W.E.B. Du Bois said this, either the United States of America will destroy ignorance or ignorance will, will destroy the United States. Either the United States will destroy ignorance or ignorance will destroy the United States. We can't turn a blind eye anymore. We have to realize that black people are being mistreated unfairly and you have to educate yourself. I posted this on social media earlier this week, and I'll say it again on the podcast. Um, until you research slavery, Jim Crow, civil rights movement, we can't have a conversation. Because you will try to justify the why. And there is none. The reason why black people are upset because Although we live in a free country, we're still not free. 
that I have to have conversation conversations with my six-year-old twins that my white counterparts will never have to have with their family and have with their kids. I have, I have white friends that can travel this country and travel this world freely and never have to worry about anything. But every time I see a police officer pass by me, I grip my stern wheel tighter. That, that, that's the world we, we live in. And Dr. Cornell West said it like this. He said, empathy is not simply a matter of trying to imagine what others are going through, but having the will to muster enough courage to do something about it. In a way, empathy is predicated upon hope. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand that it's hard, somewhat impossible for black people to be accepted by a society and treated fairly because throughout the course of history, we never were. And the harsh reality is that you will never appreciate what you never valued. So if black lives aren't valued, black lives will never be appreciated. I'm, <laughs> I, I hope that, I hope that you heard my heart on this podcast. Listen, I wasn't trying to be, uh, I wasn't trying to give points I normally give. I really was using the time we had together today just to pour out my heart. And I haven't gotten all out, but I'm getting emotional with this podcast. It's a lot of weight on me, and so I know it is maybe heavy for some others listening. So I'm, I'm going to do another part to it, and I'm going to have conversations with a couple of people that are well-versed in uh, social justice are well versed in history of black people in America and hopefully they can, their insight and intelligence can can help you as well could be because that that's that's what Pervy's point is about um, I'm an agent of change and being an agent of change means that I'm hopeful but being hopeful doesn't mean that I don't hurt and I can honestly say that as a hopeful agent of change, I'm hurt because it seems like it's always my people getting the short end of the stick. But I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I know that his grace is sufficient. And I know that he will give us victory because he has won the victory already. But I've got to be honest with you. I pray that that someday, that someday is closer today. Because honestly, I'll be honest with you. This is from my heart, not to be disrespectful to anybody listening, but this shit hurts. exactly how I feel Dr. Cornell West said the country is in deep trouble we've forgotten that a rich life consists fundamentally fundamentally of serving others trying to leave the world a little better than you found it we need the courage to question the powers that be courage to be impatient with evil and patient with people 
the courage to be impatient with evil and patient with people. The courage to be impatient with evil and patient with people. The courage to fight for social justice. In many instances, we will be stepping out on nothing and just hoping to land on something. But that's the struggle. To live is to wrestle with despair. It never allowed despair to have the last word. So we continue to fight. I'll continue to use my voice. I'll continue to use my platform. I'll continue to stand with those who have been knocked down. I'll continue to be the breath of those who cry, I can't breathe. It's your boy Pervy on Pervy's Point. Love you. Peace.